The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I'm your host, Sarah Warmby. I am a certified wound ostomy continence nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. Today's podcast guest is Kim Fields. Kim is a registered nurse in CWOCN and has been a passionate pediatric nurse for over 20 years. Her current practice is focused on pediatric wound and ostomy care. She is a full-time WOC nurse at a freestanding children's hospital at an academic hospital and a level one trauma center for pediatric and adults. Kim loves to volunteer and travel. She is invested in summer camps, including Youth Rally, a summer camp for kids with bowel and bladder conditions for kids 10 to 17 years old. She has done over 11 years of camp service. She's also traveled internationally, including to the Dominican Republic to assist with mobile clinics, Haiti for epidemic nursing and field hospital care, Chad for teaching in WCN specialty for nurses, and Bolivia in a boat clinic in the Amazon jungle. Our topic today is peristomal skin issues in the pediatric population. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kim. Thanks for having me. So let's dive right into skin issues relating to peds. What are the most common peristomal skin issues and type of ostomy it is related to in children with ostomies? It depends on the age of the kiddo and kind of what their diet is to some extent. So babies, it doesn't really matter whether it's a colostomy or ileostomy. They tend to have that yellow CD kind of Typically, when I see them, I will give them stoma powder and skin prep and talk about as soon as you know that pouch is leaking, you got to change it. Otherwise, the peristomal skin is going to look like day for rash. And parents are really typically on top of it. Occasionally, they'll have some issues. Maybe the stomas are almost a little too far apart or depending on the surgeon, they want to place the stoma down almost in their groin. That can make for some challenges. And, you know, if you have a kiddo where they've got a G-tube in the mix, and you don't have a lot of space between that and the stoma, then that's limiting and making one more opening that's putting off moisture and decreasing your wear time. So talking to them about how much to use, a lot of times I find that people want to add too much stoma powder and skin prep and they think that it makes things stickier. Mm-hmm. And we know that it doesn't and actually interferes with the wafer. So I really stress the less is more. If they're in a different wafer system and there is tape, borders, that can really cause a lot of issues. So tape borders, I find they aren't getting them dry after they've done a bath or been swimming. And I find a lot of times the tape borders, if you're going to have a reaction to adhesive, that's going to be where you're going to have it. So I will admit, I do not recommend that. But a lot of times, you know, maybe they are self-pay because they're Amish or Mennonite and they don't have insurance and they don't believe in insurance, or maybe there's some other reason for why they end up in a different pouching system than maybe I would have originally recommended. And so I'll see these funky rashes where it's not at the wafer or at the stoma. It's, it's lateral to it where that tape was. So, so they're essentially allergic to the tape? Correct. Or they're, yeah. they're actually not using adhesive remover because that's one more thing that in their mind is a cost. Mm-hmm. And so they're just doing dermal stripping with the removal of the tape. 
So sometimes in those situations, I'll teach them to use warm water, but to really take their time taking it off. Sometimes that helps. A lot of times I tell them they need to cut off the tape border, that it does nothing to help the wafer stick and wear better. It's just there for their mental health. (laughs) (laughs) And so sometimes they'll be like, well, if it's there for my mental health, then why is it there? And it's like, because it's there. (laughs) Um, And I don't really give them too much of an answer, but sometimes I find that people will say, well, there's tape on this wafer, so therefore tape helps. So they'll go obsessive and they'll add like the pink high tape all over the place. I've had kids where they've basically taped all the way around their body to try to get their wafer to stick better. Oh, poor things. I know. And they just kind of have this scalded tape destruction thing going on. And then it depends. As they get bigger, toddlers with an ileostomy tend to have more rashes and issues from like the leakage situation. Sometimes we'll see fungal rashes because they've maybe had so many central line infections that they've been on so much antibiotics. They're altering their skin floor and the fungal stuff's wanting on their skins wanting to take over. So it depends on kind of what the reasoning for it is. You know, maybe it's a teenager that's duct taping instead of doing high tape or other kind of crazy situations. So how often do you see these peristomal skin issues when it comes to either if it's allergic or uh, contact dermatitis? Is it pretty common? It is. If they're using tape bordered wafer system, I'd say probably 50% of them have some sort of reaction to the tape. If they have an ileostomy, I'd say it depends. There's the kiddos where they want to kind of push it on a pouch change. They know they're linking, but they want to control something. So they end up having a problem. And then once they have that problem, then they're in the cycle of needing extra products Mm -hmm. and tending to continue down that road. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times (laughs) my analogy for kids and teenagers is, okay, I understand that you want to control when your pouch has changed. And I understand that you want to control this, but when your pouch is leaking, you don't pass go to try to get around the board to finish the game, to collect another $100, it's stop what you're doing, stop the game, go change your pouch. And you usually get a few laughs on that one of like, you're using a game analogy on this. Hey, Monopoly is like, a great game. Monopoly <laughs> is fabulous. Let's talk right. about it. But um, <laughs> And normally the parents will kind of snicker when I say that because to them, they've been trying to tell their child, hey, this needs to happen, but they're getting ignored. And then we also get into the kiddos where they insist that it's, they get in their minds that they're having leaks. So they Mm. insist on a daily pouch change and they were never leaking. Sometimes they're ripping off their pouch because they have that sensation of itching. Sometimes I wonder if that sensation is actually real or not. They're irritating and they're creating dermal stripping because they're ripping it off and not using an adhesive remover. So sometimes the trick is there's different medications that are being done, but typically insurance doesn't pay for it. But maybe it's a Q-bar. Well, that's a 50-50 on whether you get any insurance to cover it. But a nice workaround is actually doing Flonase nasal spray. It's over the counter now. It's not that terribly expensive compared to some other things. Mm -hmm. And if that means you can spray it on, allow it to air dry, stop the itching, you've saved your bacon in the long run in a sense. But if they're the kiddo where they've got that fungal rash, I don't always grab a powder, to be perfectly honest. Um, If they're self-pay, they probably have white vinegar in their kitchen. So I'll teach him how to mix up acetic acid with vinegar and water solution and to put that on their skin, wipe it on, get it nice and wet, allow it to air dry. Yes, you're going to be on poop patrol until you get it dry enough. Then put on your pouching system because if you're using a product, a meconazole or some other nystatin, 
their scope of what they cover for fungal things is so narrow and it doesn't correct the skin pH afterwards. Whereas the acetic acid corrects the pH to where it should be, treats fungal and bacterial, so you're actually covering a broader spectrum. A lot of these Amish and Mennonites like to think natural. They don't want to get a prescription. They don't want to add one more thing to the mix. I wouldn't go in the direction of essential oils because I've had a few of those families insist that they are going to do that. And it's like, well, yeah, you just stuck an oil on, nothing's going to stick. So this is a workaround that they're okay with that's simple and easy to do. When you're seeing these issues and treating them, do you find that parents report these skin issues earlier rather than later? Typically, I talk about rashes and problems with the parents ahead of time before discharge and give them my contact information. So depending what's going on, parents will typically call pretty quickly. If they have powder and skin prep and know, and I've explained how to use it, and it, they, you know, if they're a couple months out or something, they may call just to make sure that they're using it correctly. And I'll review, you know, dust it on, dust it off, tap the skin is an excellent way to see if it's moist enough to stay. Only put the skin prep there, not everywhere. And then they'll they'll just kind of review the steps. And I have some parents where they've had a previous kiddo with an ostomy, so they kind of know the things to do. And sometimes they're the ones that wait to call. And then it kind of depends. The teenagers are kind of sneaky at times. And so they don't always tell their parents what's going on. So there's a delay in them getting relief or help because they're just not communicating. For some teenagers, they cope with ignoring their stoma. Mm -hmm. For others, it's a part of them and they just, they're going to own it and they're going to live with it and they're going to name it and they're going to just learn from it. And then others are just like, I hate this. I hate my life. And eh, it doesn't matter. I'll deal with the itching. I'll deal with the problems. And I'll just be mad at the world and the surgeon who did this instead of actually facing the music and moving forward and, and coping with it. Just to follow up on that, you know, I think you had mentioned this on a different podcast where, um, you know, parents might feel guilty uh, for whatever reason. Is there any of that? Do you see any of that when, when, when we're talking about skin issues? You know, let's say their baby or toddler ends up having skin issues. Do you, do you find that the parents feel guilty? Um, if so, how do you, how do you help them work through that to where obviously it's not their fault? You know, it, it right. is happens granted it's not normal. Um, mm-hmm. but it's something that, you know, we help them as WC nurses. Yeah. You, it's kind of a mixed bag on how they feel emotionally about it. Some parents feel really guilty that the child hasn't asked me in the first place. And some parents look at it as, you know, in the situation where maybe it's a trauma, they were in a car accident or some, some reason outside of their control is how they ended up in this situation. Their coping mechanism may be a little different than the parent who was expecting a normal, healthy child. They had the baby prematurely, they developed neck, or that's going to be a different emotional perspective than the patient where the parents had some genetic anomaly that they didn't know of. Hirschsprungs or gastroschisis or some reason why the bowel isn't quite right. And then you got the teenagers where maybe they have ulcerative colitis or Crohn's. So it depends on the age of the child and the emotional aspect and the emotional part of the child's coping and kind of how the parents are feeling about things. But for rashes, sometimes parents really feel guilty and they like obsess about it. Like, is it leaking? What's going on? And they're constantly like checking the pouch. And a NICU nurse thing is that they'll kind of like reach out and grab the pouch and start tugging on it to make sure that's sticking. I'm like, why are you tugging the pouch off? And they're like, no, no, I'm just making sure it's there. And so sometimes parents get these funky like tugging habits. You're like, leave the pouch alone. (laughs) Um, 
But as far as rashes, I typically explain to them, and this is kind of my reminder for them with coping of, you know, if peer poop was against your skin, you'd get sore skin, right? So it's the same thing with a pouch. You're going to have occasional challenges with stuff going on, but it's okay. We can learn from it. We can work through it. There's things we can do to help. It's the reassurance and the reminder because I think they just fixate on how can I fix this? Or they fixate on how they're feeling about this, not always the solving part. And that's true for adults, too, that we see in clinics. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen it in your practice. So, like, some of them are just so fixated on something else other than what really is the problem. Right. And you're just like, okay, let's turn the <laughs> ship around. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, because like, they, they find that this. this is what they feel they can control, even right. though we got a fire out going over here. We got to. Yeah. Take care of this fire. Let's not worry about the winter building, right? Right. right. <laughs> so, and I, I really try with like my self-pay patients to to encourage as best as they possibly can that using an adhesive remover in the long run, a silicone base, not alcohol, no aloe, no extra stuff, and being very specific when you order from the DME company or whoever your supplier is, that you get the right product because getting the wrong adhesive remover mm-hmm. is just crazy. I mean, there's, there's a product out there made by a manufacturer and it says adhesive remover and skin cleanser. And it's an all in one. And that thing is like asking for skin problems. Yeah. I will they tell them. They leave an oily residue. Right. If you flip it over right. and you look at the ingredients, it's terrifying. There's like three different types of alcohol and then there's perfume in there. And then there's mineral oil and like all these things where you're like, you're never going to get it off the skin. No wonder your pouch is leaking. No wonder your skin is sore. Can you talk a little bit about what would you say the most difficult age group when you're dealing with peristomal skin issues? And that could go both ways. That could be the the age group that you see the most skin issues. um, But then also the age group where you find it difficult to work with them in a sense where they maybe don't want to have anything to do with it or anything like that. So babies can kind of be the challenge with not having the real estate for the wafer and the, trying to fit everything. That can make or break some of the peristomal skin problems. But one thing that kind of helps babies at times is that they don't have the same abdominal muscle that everybody else does. Their muscles aren't mature. And so they tend to have stomal prolapse. A lot of people think that's disgusting. And so parents can get really upset. I've had parents say to me, oh, my word, the stoma looks like a penis. And I'm like... Sort of. It looks like a telescope is what I say. And they're like, a telescope? I'm like, it's the bowel is just telescoping out. It's okay. Um, and just trying to reassure with that. But when they do have a telescoping bowel in a sense or a prolapse, it's nice because then you can kind of get the poop into the pouch. And you're not having the same skin problems that maybe you would have on a retracted stoma or a stoma that's flush. So it kind of depends on real estate and what type and then the effluent coming out. Um, I think toddlers' peristomal issues typically are if they're at the Nixie stage and they just want to kind of rip off their pouch and they're doing enough of it that they get this dermal stripping going on. Teenagers, it's kind of, it depends. I mean, I've had some teenagers trying to do some strange things with their stomas, to be perfectly honest. Like I had one that was trying to reshape his stoma because he thought it would be cool if it looked different. Oh, wow. So he was like poking at it in a certain spot. I'm like, what is with your stoma? It's an odd shape. Yep, I'm trying to do that. I'm like, really? It's bowel. It's moving. It's wiggling. It's doing whatever it wants. You leave it alone. Well, again, that goes back to, you know, they want to control something, right? Right, right. <laughs> but I was like, you don't stick things in there. 
No, let's stop not that. Touch that right like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of depends if they're willing to actually, you know, consistently do a pouch change and take care of their skin. And and, and you have the ones where they're, they, they obsess, right? They're like, oh, I can never take my pouch off and shower. That's just disgusting. And then you have the ones where they're like, I ripped my pouch off to shower just because I want to be a free bird. Okay, fine. Yeah, lots of different challenges and different ages. <laughs> and we've, I've had, I had a teenage girl at one time where she just kept, she wanted to get different hair care products and she would wash her hair and whatever and she'd have her pouch off. Well, she'd add so much product in. We didn't realize it with what she was doing with her hair. It was running down and getting on her skin, contaminating the area and setting her up for skin problems. Mm. And so it was a matter of, okay, let's have you flip your hair yeah. to the side. So it's and not, that's not getting at your stomach. Or think about as far as when you are trying to troubleshoot what's going on around the stoma with the skin, hair products. Right. Because if they shower without a pouch on, those chemicals, whatever they're using in their hair is falling across down their body over their stoma. Mm-hmm. So yeah, something to something to keep in mind for sure. It's not a that's an unusual thing to think about. But hey, that's right. that's something about WFC nurses. You know, we happen to be investigators. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We have to find those clues in order to find, okay, what's going on? We got to figure this out, right? Right. So in talking about products, well specifically accessories, what accessories do you find that you utilize more in kids? And then do you have any tips or tricks when it comes to accessories? Uh, he's a remover is a must. Um, I do like ring seals, but I do not like um, gummy things or things that do not hold up to the effluent. So I like something that's going to consistently be easy to use. I actually take um, ring seals and I cut them down. And so a regular adult sized ring seal, I will on a baby get probably three to five pouch changes out of, but factoring in their stoma is very, very tiny. And then um, I usually teach them less is more. Depending on the kiddo, they're using it to fill in any cracks or crevices. And if they are needing convexity, I typically do not include ring seal. But if so, if they feel like they need to have it, then it's very, very little. And so they're cutting off such a narrow portion. It's closer to the size I would use with the baby stoma of like barely anything. You build up the convexity using rings? No, typically not. I'm just, it, I use the ring seal as sort of like, it's the the magical wall on your moat to kind of contain okay, so gotcha. that you're blocking the effluent from getting out. But occasionally you'll have somebody where it's a crease or a fold, or maybe the stoma is close enough to the umbilicus that you're trying to like plug a divot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do for those situations where convexity is needed for kids? As little ring seal as possible. Depending on the kid, throwing a belt on will not always help. So some situations we'll do belts and some situations we won't. Because sometimes, depending on their anatomy, and if you have a spina bifida kid and the stomas are really low, but depending on their back and kind of how their skeletal system is, the belt would actually ride in a certain direction and pull the pouches off. Sometimes it's I'll use more of like abdominal binders cut down to sort of support over top of a pouch rather than... And some of the special needs kids where they're digging at things or just kind of flailing around and don't have the same dexterity as everybody else. And maybe they are wheelchair level mobility. We're doing an abdominal binder with the opening in the back to try to work with a bigger kid. It's sort of like doing the toddler thing of a onesie, but you're using something else that parents can easily get into and not putting them in a giant adult onesie. You're 
sort of blocking their activity. I have some kiddos that are autistic and they need to be in a life preserver. So they're in like a swim vest and it's on backwards. And that's how they feel snug and comfortable in their world around them. And if you take that off, they're going to start panicking in public. Mm-hmm. So it kind of depends on the situation in the family. And a lot of times the parents know what works for their child and what doesn't. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would t- definitely have to involve the, the family and the parents. And talking to the family and parents and even with kids, what sort of education resources do you utilize with kids in relation to peristomal skin issues? You know, we talk to them, you know, talk to patients typically about how to prevent and what to do. But right. do you have any educational resources that you provide or talk through? I talk through with them. I also carry in my backpack or bag of tricks. I have a little um, booklet that shows different pictures of some of the peristomal skin problems. And I will flip through that and show it to them and talk through some things. And I will tell them if they start getting rashy or itchy or there's a problem, come in and see me. Let's let's troubleshoot together. There are some different apps. There's some information even on the United Ostomates Association website for patients to look at. I I'm a little nervous. Sometimes kids will, there's groups in Facebook. So there's the Uh youth rally group. There's a lot of kids and teens sharing information. And for teenagers, they want to know somebody that has the same diagnosis as them. They want to connect with somebody to feel like they're not alone because they might, might be the only kid at their school with this problem. And so they feel like they're really targeted or singled out in it. And sometimes they need that connection. But I also caution them to not necessarily be reaching out to their peers to realize I'm still a resource and ask me rather than getting somebody that lives in California and you do some sort of weird video chat where you're like showing your belly to somebody or something else. Like I can help you. That person can probably help you with coping and how you feel emotionally about this. But I don't think they can solve your rash. Right. And then, and I know something that I, I would always use in my previous practice is what works for one person may not work for you. Right. And, you know, and that goes the same with, even if someone has the same diagnosis as you, they don't have the exact same stoma. They right. could have both have a, an ileostomy or your urostomy or colostomy, but everybody's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's an important conversation to have, especially with these kids in the day and age that we're in now with social media and having our handheld device with us all the time. For the teenage girls, I like to give them the Girls With Guts website because I feel like that's better body image perspective than some other things. But there, I will admit there's a YouTube video that I'm not really thrilled about where this girl like rips off her pouch and uses alcohol and does all these like criminal things to herself and her skin as part of her process. And that's terrifying. I mean, I've had adults coming in and talking about it when I'm marking them before surgery. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to have a stoma. And I, ah, she did so many steps. I, I'm confused. It's just like, oh, okay, forget what you saw. Moving right. forward, it's not that hard. Yeah. And there are so many out there. And, and I think we talked about this at another episode where YouTube can be great for so many things, mm-hmm. but reach out to your provider first. Reach out to your WOC nurse if you're having issues with your skin or leakage or anything like that first, because that's that's what they're there for. Right. You deserve a WOC nurse. You, right. know, you deserve to, to, to have somebody who's trained in this specialty to help you through those those situations. And if in, you are searching for seeking some sort of a connection with someone who has the same diagnosis or condition, we can help you do that too. 
Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Lots of great information on how you handle pediatric ostomates and their skin issues. So thank you again. Thank you. It's been fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us slash professional.